get fired up. Oh yeah! Performance, Performance enhancing, enhancing audio. audio. This is the State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell. Oh yeah, that sweet sound deep in your ear hole. It's the best jam band theme song in all of failing podcasts that will no longer be here much longer. It is the SOC and this is your boy, BC Box, opening it up. Step three. Yes, get your hands dirty. It's time to break into that box. Um, I know a man who knows a lot of things about this game, if you will. I know this game. I know this game. You got to listen to me when I tell you what's going on. I mean, you know, I'm calling this shot. I'm telling you. Thank you, Ernie. Uh, uh, Larry. uh, Sorry, Larry. Um, I'm not going to tell you there's a lot of boxes to talk about today, but I'm going to tell you that this man will do his best. He's my cohort in New York Times bestselling author. A better, you better believe it, better be in upstate Michigan. Uh, you can read his work at betcherass.com. He is Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. Let me lick you up. Oh, on my skinhead show. Boom, boom, boom. Rafe, from the outback here, you got like an orange hunting cap on. You look like you're ready to take down a beaver, if you will. Would you? Uh, I've, I've taken down many beavers in my day, Brian. Uh, no problem. Many, no beaver dam can hold me. No dental dam can hold me, oh if you know what God. I'm oh saying. Oh, my God. Wow. All right. Hey, what a time to close down the pod. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rafe, welcome. Welcome. Uh, oh, I wanted to let you know. We've got a great guest <laughs> this week. I know you are fired up for all things 154. In the land, and Showtime is back with a bang on Saturday when Terrell Gaucher takes on our guest this week, the Hammer, Erickson Lubin. Uh, which MC Hammer uh, single do you think best describes what Erickson is up against this week? Well, my first, I, I can tell you what Terrell Gaucher is up against in MC Hammer terms, and that's you got to pray. Pray, pray. Oh yeah, pray. we pray. We got to pray just to make it today. Um, I don't know what is there a hammer? Is there a hammer song that describes pumps and a bump? Maybe yeah. I don't know. What, I, that just I, I would like. Imagine if boxers had to had to perform in those pumps and a bump speedos that wow. hammer and wasn't Deion Sanders rocking them in that video Probably. too uh Stanley Burrell you'll know him as MC Hammer he was packing heat in that banana hammock <laughs> if you will you know what I'm saying <laughs> was that all real Rafe was it was it real was it I don't were you thinking he was pulling a Dave Allen white rhino there yes maybe maybe I don't know but uh that was the end of his career uh also uh here here's Terrell Gaucher's voice that time from PBC Kate to Kate because I know I'm coming you know how I'm coming. That ain't gonna be enough. Bro. You know how I'm coming, bro. In and out. I'm gonna beat you inside and outside. <laughs> you know how I'm coming. Well, we went there. Um, so here's the deal. We got we got uh we got Erickson Lubin, okay? We're also gonna take a uh how about a snapshot? How about we go deep inside that one five four division? You're I know you want a tournament, you ain't getting it, bro, okay? You're getting no, no. Though, the best facing the best. So from uh from Lubin Gaucher to next week's 
Jermel Charlo, Jason Rosario, to everyone else in the stratosphere, Rafe, let's take a deep, hard look at things going junior middleweight today. I'd also like to, um, you know, talk Mexican Independence Day history. Happy, Rafe, happy Mexican Independence Day weekend. Only, um, that man ain't coming through the door. Oloki, you are next, my friend. No, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I'll see you in court, okay? I won't see you. I won't see you in the ring. Thank Nothing you. is next, my friend. Nothing. Uh, Dazone still in business? You have that shit? Uh, I, I have it because they got me for the year, man. I, I'm telling somebody start up this class action lawsuit because they are just dicking us all. Oh, wow. Wow, bro. Okay. I kind of wish they would. No. Wow. All right. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't do. Wow. I'd love to feel like that one. I'll have what Ray's having. Please. Thank you. All right. Um. Thought I had sound for that joke, didn't. So we'll just move on, uh, Jeffrey. Uh, speaking of, hey, yeah, uh, we good friends. I know your daddy. How is Jeffrey uh, Bartolome? Oh, he's hanging in there. You know, he has been <laughs> more or less sequestered in upstate New York for way too long. But he's hanging in there. I got to, getting a chance to visit with him this week. Helped him split some wood yesterday. Oh, I got to go stack the wood later on today after I do some writing for U.S. Bets, actually, mibets.com. You can bet your ass I'll be right in there, and then I'll be stacking wood. Uh, but, yeah, you know, everything, is, it's nice. It's, the weather's starting to chill out a little bit. I don't I, Leaves probably won't turn for a while, but fall is coming, whether we're ready or not. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, shout out to your daddy. If he can be, uh, you know, he was the star of uh, McSorley's and me, uh, Kriegel, uh light and dark and and your father and, and and you know if he can survive everything like that he can beat this quarantine okay give me some of that hard wood i'll whack your with. indeed all right rafe uh we're going to talk about all things box of course uh we've talked a little bit about your life you, you already have to use the restroom you good over there i'm good i'm good i'm, I'm staying warm i'm sitting out I, I i'm trying not to create too much noise pollution in in the actual home because you know that's what we we just pollute everything. We're just pss, yeah. all over people's ear holes. Yeah. And anyway, so yeah, I'm out. I'm out on the porch. It's about 50 degrees out here. So I I'm just bundled up, you know, moving to stay warm. Early, early, right, right. Let's do the bird call. Morning bird call. Ah! Okay. Name me another podcast that gets up this early to be this ridiculous. Okay. Name me, please. Okay. I love me some Kurt Esquire. He ain't getting up this early. Okay. All right. He ain't getting this ridiculous. No, no. Okay. So all you, all you white guys out there that think that you can box pod, you can't, bro. All right. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never lose to you. I'll never let a white boy beat me. You can call it any statement you want. Anybody can print that. I will never lose to a white person. Okay. Oh, Evan Rakowski shutting down the final days of the, um, of the, uh, what did he, what did he call that thing? That was great. The Fistianado. Yes. What does that mean? It's some kind of boxing word, but I don't understand it. I, it's I, above I my head, Brian. You find it on Urban, or on, uh, Urban Dictionary. There's probably some gross <laughs> misappropriation. I know. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm familiar with, I'm not intimately familiar with that kind of Fistianados, but I get the reference. Yeah. Uh, but really, Brian, yeah, no. Uh, shout out to Evan Rakowski, who, what, I think it was his 70th episode. 
did it for what two a little over two years had to bow out because he's starting up that new ring city business uh which i he he described on his final podcast as like a tuesday night fights for the the modern generation of boxing i'll take it shoot yeah shoot great show on i need to see some of those guys with golden mullets who have no idea what they're doing i want the real life version of that i know they're selling good matchups but if you can get just something ridiculous out there for me i'm down with that too that's what you know certainly there's a there's an opening for that we don't have espn's (laughs) friday night fights Excuse me right now. You know, we got we got Saturday afternoon MTK global fights in, involving some Spaniard guy, but we don't got that sort of like check in every week. Let's get a, let's get a look at the state of boxing and let's watch some ridiculous guys. You know, I mean, remember that fat guy who got knocked out to the shoulder at that Friday night fight and, and Teddy just made fun of him. I mean, look, there's there's so many FNF legends Tuesday night. Uh, fight legends. Yeah, let, let's make that. Let's make that. And let's make great matchups, too. I, I wish them well. Uh, so uh, thank you. Thank you, Frank. Stop it, Frank. You can stop it uh, all right, Rafe. Um, oh, I wanted to ask you something about sports here. Uh, give me a second. Why don't you entertain the people while I look that up? All right. So, uh, hi, people. I'm here to entertain you. I'm looking forward to a fight between Teofimo Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko. That's happening. And I think it's today. Is this one month? No, one month and one day. I'm pumped. I'm going to be pumping it seven times every day getting ready for that fight. Because, shoot, it's, it's all I have to look forward to in the world of boxing. No, that's not true. There's that fantastic. I cannot wait to drop 75 of my hard-earned dollars after losing my job and taking a pay cut this year. <laughs> On a double Tarlo pay-per-view. Oh, that is my, my dream. Is ah, thank you. Stop You're making that. my dreams come true. I, they're, bo- they're great fights, and I would love to spend $75 on that. Please, come on. Come on. I mean, you, you're feeling it a little here, right? Watch yourself, okay? Please. They are really good fights. I, I am going to pay for them. You, you, you're taking money out of my pocket. You're, you're taking food out of my mouth at this point, boxing. <laughs> Uh, sorry, I'm still I'm still looking for the soundbite. I'm very slow, but you gave a very uh, Sergio like. Uh, you you let me keep talking. It's gonna. Like, I don't know where it's going to go, Brian. Here, here's where it basically was. Hi, my boxing fans. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your support. All right, sorry, I was looking for something. I'm close. I'm close. Hang with me. Hang with me. All right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, the box is here. I've received the box. Have you analyzed the tip? Trying to open the box. Um, what the hell is going on with you, man? I found it. Sorry, sorry, found it. Uh, Rafe, just you know, two two friends that want to have an honest conversation about golf, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I, I love that stuff. You know, I mean, we've got another major in the golf world. I think of myself as your boxing caddy. Hey, wow, I like that. I like that. I like that. All right. Uh, uh, so here's the deal, Rafe. When it comes to golf and sticking things deep in your ear hole, how about that first cut podcast that CBS Sports give you? All right? All right? Killer, man. Um, look, killer. The U.S. Open, not just any major, the U.S. Open is here. And the first cut has you covered this week for the second major of the year. Our first cut crew is coming at you with two preview episodes full of picks. DFS analysis plus round-by-round recaps after every day of action 
at Winged Foot. The First Cut Golf Podcast is available wherever you like to listen to podcasts. So why don't you go and download and subscribe that today and tell them BC sent you. Rafe, I did hear that the first cut is the deepest. Baby, I know. The first cut. Is the what deepest. is that? Is that some kind of like Phil Collins song? Yeah. Or sounds like something you <laughs> would listen Rod to. Rod Stewart, little Van Morrison. Yeah, a little, little bit in that pocket right there. See, you have to understand who you're talking to right now, Rafe. I, am going, I, I I know exactly who I'm talking to. <laughs> I am going through what my wife is describing as a midlife crisis. I have hundreds of vinyl records on the floor ne- next to me right now as I record this. Okay, I'm deep in those '70s progressive rock. I am so balls deep in the in the kind of things I said I would never touch. Rafe, jazz fusion rock. Who the hell needs time? Yacht rock. Who needs time for that? This that, guy. That- Okay. No, Brian, that's not that doesn't sound like midlife crisis to me. You're not going out and buying a sports car. You're not doing things to recapture your youth and your masculinity. You're you're going out and embracing old and washed white guys, which is fine. <laughs> I think that's a better route than like it's way more embarrassing to get what if you got uh what if you got the red catch Kodo tattoo now to <laughs> All of a sudden, I mean, I would pay to see that. I would pay for the art. I'll find the best guy. I'll, we'll get it done if you're willing to do that. If you really are going through a midlife crisis, that's what you need to get the juices flowing. Well, look, I always look to to break out of the crisis. I like I always look for a little bit of um, encouragement. So I, I look to guys like Vlad. Right. What would he tell me right now? Please don't die. Yeah, please die. But don't die. Please don't die. Um. Yeah, where was I going with that? I had a, I had, I had a reason. I had a, I had a, an avenue. I forgot. Oh, oh, Ivan Redcutch, real quick, Rafe. I don't know if you follow him on IG. I do. I'm not. I, I can't say I pay attention to every single post. Did you see that intriguing post where he posted a picture of Vasily Lomachenko at church? Uh, it looked like some kind of Russian Orthodox thing. I'm not sure what exactly it was, but dressed in like. The attire that like the priest or the de- I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but you get what I'm saying. Dressed in very a churchy robe. And it was a skate. I hit the translate button. It was a scathing attack against Lomachenko for apparently uh, like big timing him inside of church and not giving him back the respect. And it almost felt like fighting words. I, I don't know if I, I feel like I'm the only person in the world that saw this. Right. Uh Wow, he's I thought I swear I, I see this guy on my Instagram all the time. Someone else must be someone else must be uh sharing him because I'm not following the real man. Yeah. And the real man, I'm trying to look at the whole man right now. He's gone private on me. Okay. Well, all right. That was a good conversation. We'll just we'll just roll on from well, there. I, look, look. Uh, so the situation you're describing here is Lomachenko snubbed him. Look, all right. Ivan Redcatch, you know what? Lomachenko can snub him. You'll, oh, stop it is that. what it is. Like They're this Russian is like, heroes living the American dream. Okay, they can. They got. Time. Yeah, but he. They got he can't show, He handshake. doesn't have to show love to every scrub from his country. Oh, how dare you? How da- look? Redcock and um, our guy. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, John John Molina. Naynard Kurchtich. No, what's the guy's? Uh, uh, Victor Postal or boys? Right? They got a common thread. Right? 
Come on. They are. And you don't see those Ukrainians yeah, hanging right. out with the Papachenko Ukrainians for some oh, reason. You so don't do you see them that, getting down with do the Usyks and the Vozdiks, the Grosdiks. They're not. Also, they aren't. You know what? I th- are, are, is, is Ivan a Vadim guy, a, a, Kornila, a Kornilov I, guy? I cannot confirm that. I cannot confirm Because that. Postol has been over the years. And I love, that might I love be. It might be Team Agus, you know, manager Agus Klimas, Sergei Kovalev, uh, versus Vadim Kornilov, the Russia-based uh, guy who also manages a lot of very, very good post-Soviet fighters here in the U.S. Yes, yes, please, because here's the deal. Oh, that's gonna be a challenge. Okay, so, uh, <laughs> prepare your horse for the battle. Uh, I was wondering. If that's you were that's gonna... what Ivan is telling Vasily. Prepare your horse for the war. I don't agree with the part about me being horny all hours of the day. So, so much. Two hours in the day, yeah, yes, but not all hours. A few. Uh, all right. Um, I I thought you were maybe you know giving the p- potential illusion that there are tiers and hierarchies within the Ukrainian amateur turn pro world where we just assume oh they're all you know they're all Ukrainian boxing you know uh celebs here they're all going to bro out no maybe maybe the papachenko crew right the usiks the lomas the uh the vodziks maybe they feel they are at such a higher grade than your factory town uh you know ivan redcox right maybe there's some there's a gap there just like there's a you know a gap in suburban connecticut white world you know? yeah does does chad dawson have to show love to tommy carpensi well i guess tommy carpensi beat him right damn yeah, he, you better have and show him some love yeah wow i was at that point that was sad wow um all right so i don't know the story there but shout out to my boy ivan love when he colors the hair Love the creepy faces during the weigh-in. Remember that weigh-in with Danny? You mean, I know it was Danny's night, yes. but remember the weigh-in? It was, it was uh, them. Eyes. It was Ivan's weigh-in. It was yes. definitely Ivan's weigh-in. Uh, but no, look, I, I'm, I'm now I'm interested. Now you have got me fully engaged, Brian. Because look, let's be honest. Lomachenko and Usyk, we love them. They're fantastic, amazing fighters. They also have a imperious air to them. I I don't agree with. Teofimo Lopez's uh, characterization of Lomachenko as a diva in terms of the way that he comports himself in the ring, the challenges he takes and faces, the balls he shows in the ring. I mean, he's fighting above his best weight for years now and almost and very close to unifying the entire lightweight division. That's that's not diva behavior. No. I mean, but he, I what, mean, he's a quarterback. Quarterbacks can be divas. Roman Jenkins yeah. a quarterback. He's Brady. He's Montana. Oh, he's stop young. it. He's does it all. Better not be Brady on but the But he, he you know, he's this guy that has barely lost in his entire life and the losses that he does have on his record are debatable in in various ways. Uh, both amateur and professional, the one lost to Salido and Salido blew weight and hit him in the nuts 700 times. Uh, and so it did exist. Uh, it did. It, it did. It did. It, look, it's still a win for Salido. Uh, we, we, we love Siri, too. But let's but, be honest. Let's be honest, though. Not only did he get screwed by the ref, was that that was a uh, Lawrence uh, Lawrence Cole night, right? Yeah, I believe it and, was. And number two, he got he got screwed by the judges too. He did. I mean, no, no, I don't know. If, I don't know if he deserved the win. I mean, he was coming on no, strong. No, no, Salito no, no. was very happy. We're in the twelfth round of that fight. Here's what I need you to do: watch it in black and white. No, no. Actually, watch it with the uh, with the Ukrainian uh, announcers, and then you know, and you'll 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 understand. It's true. It's true. Uh, but so, but but there is this 
air of I'm better than you, which is true. And great athletes are better than all of us at, at the things they do. So I, 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 you can see it, you can smell it. There's this like, oh, you know, th these are common fighters. I'm, I'm. Lomachenko. We are Lomus, Lomachenko, and Usyk. We are the we are the cream of the crop here. Double and I bet, up. yeah, double kebab. Yeah, I bet there are fighters from Ukraine who look at them and say, "Man, if only I had all the resources that the state gave them to develop them, man, I could be that too." And you know what? They're wrong. They don't have the talent that those guys have. But I understand I, the competitiveness, the the little internal rivalries that happen. Uh, between fighters from the same country that are around the same age. Um, this is interesting. Uh, I'll, this know, is like Gary Russell and Terrence Crawford I having beef going say, all the way back so to the amateurs. I was going to ask you this because Gary Russell is uh, getting his name linked <laughs> in a lot of people's mouths, right? Terrence Crawford, uh, Mikey Garcia. I mean, he's like threatening to, to move up four weight classes. I mean, like this is nuts. Maybe Ivan Redcock should just become like the – like within that Ukrainian social structure that you speak that you spoke of in boxing, maybe he becomes the Gary Russell Jr. It's like, look, I, I'll, you can send me to hell. I'll, I'll be Ukrainian Charlie Z here, but I'm coming after you. All right, I will. I will get my respect. You know what I'm saying? I'd be in on that. All right. Sorry. Morning Zoo portion of this show has been has been uh, accounted extended. Uh, here's the deal. We're gonna take a quick pause for the cause on the other side, though. Okay, please. Somebody, people are gonna get in your ear. They're gonna tell you to buy their thing. Buy it. But on the other side. Rafe Boogs and I coming back. We're talking 154. We got Erickson Lubin. We got a weekend preview. I want to talk about Mexican holidays. We back. Trust me. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. BC, Rafe Boogs, Erickson Lubin to come. Please, everyone, tell me you're with me. Are you here with me or not? Look at me. Are you with me? Look at me. Are you with me? Thank you. Okay. Rafe, you good? We're ready? We're ready, Rafe? Let's talk about it. Um, Here's the deal. I know you're not overly, ridiculously excited about the money you have to pay and, you know, that we're a little weak out from that Charlo double pay-per-view, but the real fan inside of you. Not you're not the regular fan. The the hardcore guy understands this is going to be a great night of action. And one of those subheads, Rafe, outside of hey, morning combat, hosting your intermission show, hosting your halftime show on the pay per view card. So get a little taste of that. Is that control of the 154 pound division right now is at stake here for the winner of Charlo and Rosario. Three or four belts will be in their warehouse. The other one is Patrick Teixeira, who's trying to get a fight with Castaño, maybe. We may end up seeing that fourth belt cross back over the street. But Rafe, uh, between between Lubin against Gaucher this weekend, which will produce a mandatory challenger to that BC belt that that Charlo uh, currently have, this is a great time to a great time to really take stock of what we have here in this junior middleweight division. Rafe, first off, is it the deepest in all of the sport? Um, it's in, it's very deep, but it's interesting because 
the high-end talent is not as high-end as the talent at other divisions. I mean, when you when it comes down to it, is this even deeper than the more glamorous division one weight class beneath it, welterweight? I'm a natural welterweight. No. Crawford isn't. Spence is a natural welterweight. Sean Porter is a natural welterweight. Um, 154 is great because it has this dozen or so fighters who are all who make good fights, who are who all have weaknesses, who in certain matchups can beat each other or can tr- give each other hell of a fights at where they're basically are 50 50 contests, and it's 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 a competitive dream because it's very deep, but also a little it's it's very deep. But again, it, it lacks the true what I consider like, wow, these are blue, blue, blue chip talents, elite of the elite of the sport. And man, it makes it fun. It makes it, it makes each of these fights it, it kind of lead to something else. And, and you it makes it also makes it easier. We're seeing more of these big fights at 154 because these these guys all kind of have to face each other and there's they're, they're sort of no there's no there's not as much money and preening and diva behavior among them and I, I, hey i'm all for it yeah I do mean, you think it's the deepest in boxing well there's certainly higher star end at welterweight and i'd have to really compare. even the mid even the middle top 10 yeah it might it might actually be deeper than welterweight right now i mean welterweight it's always going to be overflowing with names too young or too old or, or whatever but no, this is this is this might be it right now. The be- it's is it the best or is it okay. the most competitive? No, it's the most competitive, and that's why we love it right now. Yes, and let's not let's let's give credit as always, right? Where credit is due. Al Heyman, the goat. We're only talking about this conversation right now because there ninety nine percent of them are under the PBC banner, and that's why uh, Sergio that. Ramos in España is not. Hearing it right now, Kermin Brian. Uh, no. Oh, um, not him. Not him. He doesn't belong. So Al Heyman is the goat. Thank you. But um, so here's the deal. We got Lubin Goshe this week, like I mentioned. Charlo Rosario. You're also looking at Castaño. Uh, Teixeira's got a strap. Jarrett Swift Heard. J-Rock Williams. Arislandy Lara. Uh, Cast- Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison. The aforementioned Castaño. Rafe. I need from you right now your top five pound for pound list at 154 pounds. We're going to find out, right? Oh, 10 days from now or so, we're going to have a much un- larger understanding of who the real man is at 154. But it's going to be hard to say that because, you know, Laura's recharged. Herd's going to try to bounce back. I mean, there's talent here. Right now, rate that talent. Well, so when you say top five pound for pound at one point you basically mean my rankings of the of the of the junior middleweight division yes though god top i think jamel charlo is easy to call number one but rafe sorry just quickly there's a difference if i was just saying your rankings you might go more on accomplishments and who's hot right now where i want pound for pound i want ability wise give it to me okay best in order all right oh it's even easier than I, i i like that so let me go then uh jamel charlo number one um uh, I like – I feel like I'm forgetting some names here that I want to slot in above him, but I might go Tony Harrison number two. Whoa, that's he a... just can't pull it, He just can't pull it all together, but Rafe, talent-wise, a... oh, he's the best six-round fighter in, in the division by true. far. That is true. I, I don't um, know. I feel like that's a little bit of a leap here. 
I, so the other, the other, the other people in the conversation all have similar question marks about them right now. I mean, unless you want to put Castaño number two. No, uh, no, dude, get Castaño off of there. Okay, he's a good fighter, but I think the guy, I that's I wasn't trying to put him there. I'm trying to put my man Tony Harris right, in there. I, I think it's, okay, I think, you think it's Jared Hurd? I don't. We don't even know if he's still a boxer. Oh wow! Uh, if wow. he will, if he will be able to make 154 again, what's we don't know anything house. about that. Finally, he did move out of the parents' house, so thank you for that. Um, very Algeri like, by the way. All right, yeah, thank you. Uh, I think number two right now. You know, you can make the argument, Banana Rosario, but look, obviously the resume is much smaller, so we want to see that again. Um, J Rock rebounded, right? He could be your number not two yet. Right now. Has he not fought since that? He has not fought uh, since that. Right. That loss was okay. earlier this year. Well, Lara. I mean, look, Lara fought, fought Vendetti. That doesn't count, but um, I, I'd be okay with Lara right there. If we're just going, we're not going on merit. We're going on ability right now. Do I think Lara's still the second best in the game? Do I think Lara would beat Tony Harrison? Yeah. That would be an interesting fight. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I think he would. I got Lara, too. I got... See, Rosario, we don't know, and that's a big... That's part of what I love about that fight, is we don't... I just talked to Rosario the other day. The guy is so damn fired up. He says, if I hit him with the big banana, it's over. And we, you know, yeah, wow. Yeah, uh, we know that. I'm not talking about uh, MC's big uh, banana hammer there. Um... I, here's the deal. I See, this is the, we're we're proving our own point fight. about this weight division, Brian, which is that really I think Charlo, both in terms of talent that pops off the screen, and at this point, his wins and and achievements at 154 is kind of a clear number one, and he's got to yeah, prove that again this. later this month. Yeah, yeah we already know he's the best, baby. Yeah, and so. But beneath that, it gets hard to rank these guys. So you're like, really? Am I about to put Tony Harrison number two? That doesn't seem right. But then you start going down the list. It's like, am I going to put old Lara on uh, down as number bet. two? That same... seems right, but it also doesn't seem right. right Rosario the has the one great win and two belts. Look at me, Max. I have two belts. But so what? Uh, he might have just caught uh, J-Rock on a on a really bad night. And, and because we never saw anything, we didn't really see that level out of Rosario before then. Can I so, give Banana the respect? Uh, he ate bombs against J-Rock. Nobody wants to talk about that. I rewatched that fight. He was walking through some stiff shit, Rafe. Okay? All right. I uh, the stiff shit. Yeah. Uh, just time. look at the stiffness, Brian. <laughs> you want it to be soft, I think. I think you want it to be a little, you know, you're, you want the stool to not be stiff. They're both great guys and hard men. So, um... <laughs> I'm going to go Lara 2. I am going to go Jason Rosario 3 in, in, in understanding the unknown, right? There's, there's unknown there. But I'm going to put him 3. Is J-Rock next or is, Jer- or is Tony Harrison or is it Jared Hurd? I mean, just you're right. It's all like we don't know. Jared Hurd could come back and be that destroyer again who walks you down but has, excuse me, a little bit more craft. That'd be yeah, nice. look, he looked boring Jared as Hurd- balls, though. That last that comeback fight, he looked boring as balls. Jared Hurd, the version of him that beat Lara in the close fight, the version of him that was in that great fight where he lost to J-Rock. Uh, and I don't know if it was a great fight, but very, very good fight. Uh, that that one, I wouldn't really hesitate to put at number two. But I don't know if he's – I, I don't want to fall in love with a fighter who no longer exists here. I need to see something. I mean, J-Rock was so great in that Hurd fight. And he actually looked really good for, for a lot of the – Rosario fight until until he, got he looked caught. good against Charlo before getting yeah. I mean, Jamal Charlo before getting knocked out. 
This that I love it. I love this division. Jack Kulkay is a dangerous 154. He could come over and be a pain in the butt for any of these guys. He had I mean talk about uh, right, well, sort of under the well. radar. Look, I'm not I'm just saying I'm just saying there's a I've All looked right. at a lot of guys in yeah. this division or around this division and there's a lot out there. Cuz if you look attention to your body from start <laughs> to finish. <laughs> That's right. You look at my man Jack Colquet, the Ecuadorian German, and he will he he almost I mean he had um Demetrius Andrade pretty hurt in the twelfth round of their fight. And he almost stopped Dervienchenko at one sixty. Go true. went up that... in the last round of their fight. He is a tricky little bastard. Yeah, yeah, he's naughty. So I stroke it, I cut it. <laughs> And uh, ESPN Steve Kim has Liam Smith beefy at number eight on the top 10. Get that crap out of here. <laughs> Who's paying him to do that? Uh, Patrick Teixeira, who has that strap, right, from beating Carlos Adamas, is nine on the ESPN rankings and Lubin 10. We'll get a little more into Lubin. Oh, see, there, see, I'd put Lubin in my top five just talent-wise, Talent. even though, of course, talent-wise, he yes. doesn't really have a win to prove it yet. But this, if he wins this weekend, boom, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to move in with my Lubin. Wow. <laughs> I like it. I like the uh, the, the wordplay there. Thank you. Okay, great. Yep. Let's riff a bit on boxing. But first, remember, okay, the opinion- opinions, all that. All right, so here's the deal, Rafe. I think we're universal, at least on Jermel. Uh, the eye test tells you so much, right? I, you know, I want to see him get that chance. Uh, I'm going to say don't count out Jarrett Hurd yet. Lara's going to still be the old guard. I want to see Lara against everybody because old Lara, when he has to fight, Vendetti didn't really make him fight. When he has to fight, Rafe, which is going to be against all these elite guys, it's fun as crap, right? Guy will dig in and bang. I'm still not sure I've ever, never, ever seen him lose. Now, that's that's crap because uh, I thought Hurd beat him, but that's still a split decision, okay? Split decision. Yeah. Look, if it wasn't for that knockdown, I think he would ha- uh, that Lara would have a real claim to have having won that fight. Of course, he did get knocked down. Indeed. Uh, did you read where uh, I, I was talking, like I mentioned, to Jason Rosario and his uh, his trainer's translator, Chiro, uh, was saying that Rosario, for the last fight against J-Rock, was the first time he ever had a full, real training camp. He was so used to accepting fights last minute and being the opponent and kind of working a full-time job, and he was basically training from home, Rafe. This was like the first time he did it professionally the right way. Is that like that's a romantic idealism to think about? But is there a chance that means he's still finding out how good he actually is? Absolutely, Brian. I mean, that is a real thing in boxing. You talk to fighters who haven't been blue chip prospects, who haven't been sort of pegged for world championship contention since the the minute they turned pro. And most of the time they, you know, one, they haven't been paid much in purse money uh, up until whatever their first big fight was. And two, they a lot of the time, yeah, they haven't been able to train full time or even if they were training full training full time, they didn't have access to ripper nutrition. They didn't necessarily have access to Chris Algieri working on their diet, getting their body as right as possible. They weren't necessarily making weight the best possible way. They weren't necessarily, they might not have had the money to spend on cryo treatments for recovery, on all of the, all of the things that the top, top fighters have to make sure that their bodies are always right and that they're always training at the best level. They might not, a lot of, Jason Rosario probably for most of his fights, 
didn't have much money to to spend on elite or not, not elite, but strong sparring partners to come in and get and sharpen him up for those fights. So yeah, if if now that he's has belts and he has that kind of money, I hope that he's investing it in those sort of things to really see what his potential is because it's obviously more than the the boxing world thought it was going to be when if we go back turn back the clock to when they announced j-rock versus jason banana rosario we're like he's fighting who what that guy you're not wrong and all right yeah somebody got the score wrong he'd only beaten coda by split decision by the way this ain't jorge coda this ain't jorge coda i mean look the the demon the demon's okay but you know he's slow as as a ball bag uh rafe (laughs) you know what really makes this division great all, all honesty there's such an old school vibe with the fighters. You mentioned no divas. Now, obviously, personality wise, Jermel can, you know, he's kind of a diva, kind of a lion. I don't know if I'm a snake or a lion when I talk about him, but uh, but Mike's. He doesn't know if you're a Mike or a Brian when <laughs> yeah. you talk to him. I love him though. Uh, believe that. So, but you're right. So, I mean, J Rock is the ultimate old school fighter. Jared Hurd has that old school, like, I'm going to brawl, I'm going to bring my lunch pail, whatever happens. Laura has to have that. Plus, you know, Laura's evolved out of that, like, I'm going to bore you out style uh, just by age. And, you know, devolved almost. Jermel's got a little bit of that. I think all, like, that's why when you watch those fights, it feels like how things used to feel, Rafe, okay? When things were pure and innocent. And if you think about it, most of our life, we are just striving to recapture that innocence. We think of it, it's sad, Rafe. People from where I come from, they never they never achieve more than they did on the football field at 17, okay? But you know what? Those days were pure, so let's celebrate them, all right? I don't care. I don't care how dimly lit the bar is. Let's celebrate them, Rafe, okay? We're all just looking for that. Thank you. What the hell just happened? I got off an exit. I got stuck. I didn't know where I was. Yeah, all right, we're back. Are, are we going to now start the prog rock? Now is that what the, is that the intro? Is that the intro to your uh, your Van Morrison song? Uh, come along, my friends, to the show that never ends. Yeah, all right, thank you. That's it. Okay. Um, any closing thoughts here on the one five four Rafe? Well, I hate to. It's pointless for me to keep banging this drum, but. As exciting and happy as I am, as exciting as it is, and as happy as I am that they are making these really top of the division, best versus best unification fight matchups, I still wish that they had done it, they had packaged it as a tournament. And they still can. The fighters are still there. Not uh, maybe one or maybe one of them would move up at some point in time, but there would stay, especially on the PBC side, where if you come up with a top 10, Usually nine or 10 of those guys uh, are, are already PBC fighters. And if you go down the list to 15, you can probably get 12 or 13. Are, so, so they have enough to put together an amazing eight-man bracket. And people, people who criticize this idea are like, oh, tournaments are overrated. The, the, you know, Look at the Super Six. The, the injuries happen, this and that. All of that is true. But WBSS did a pretty good job in recent years. Now they, they they had problems with paying fighters. They were not and stuff that like was was genuinely bad. They weren't always good partners to work with. But in terms of getting those tournaments off the ground and finished, they did what five, six different tournaments. And there's only this last cruiserweight one, which will finally wrap up like six months late, large partly due to coronavirus, partly due to other problems. 
uh, you know, they, they had a good record, and those really helped elevate Inoue, helped elevate Usyk. Th those guys were obviously going to be big, uh, not, not necessarily big stars, but big stars to hardcore fans because of how good they are. But were they necessarily going to get that kind of attention immediately from top rank and matchroom and, and tr try and give them that final star push? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. In any case, these tournaments, they're just fun. It's fun to look at a bracket and say, oh, I like, look at this guy's route to the championship. And they and Showtime, especially because 154 doesn't have the big, big money fighters that last year we saw most of the wealth of the Walter Waits that we saw showing up on Fox. And Showtime, it would have been perfect with Showtime's, they're, they're the best boxing storytelling network right now because they have the most institutional experience and they, you know, they, they ha they, they're the closest, they're, they are like HBO and that used to be and that they're, they bring that premium network feel. Uh, and they also have Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas now adding to the mix. In any case, Showtime could package the hell out of a show, uh, out of a one five four tournament. A counter argument to that, and I, look, I want a tournament. I, I love that. I love the the formalcy of it. I love the excitement, all that. But we're we're kind of getting. I mean, like. You but know, it, you're not it, getting it with all of the pomp and circumstance. You're not getting it with, with all of the excitement. They're just good fights. You you could create that narrative and have it lead to something. And, look, and I prefer ha that. But, but, you know, I mean, I pr I'd prefer not that my food isn't cooked in a gas station. But it just – it's so cheap and it tastes so good, right? Like, I, you know, like – so it is what it is in that regard. I do have confidence that the best will keep fighting the best. What will happen – like, we want a world where there's one champion with four belts and certainly – Charlo Rosario takes us a giant step closer to that Rafe. Is that a better world though for Al Heyman and company in the in the alphabets, or do they prefer that there's four different champions? I mean, if we're we going to get oh. to that once and then it'll break apart again, and, and we'll have because I mean, isn't it better for them that there'd be two to three PBC guys we can call champions than than one? Well, I don't I don't know from the point of view of um, you know the content provider PBC in this case. Definitely the sanctioning bodies. They like to they although they it, it's they have not quite crossed the Rubicon yet in trying to uh, discourage unification fights because it messes up their money and it and it just it's harder to manage the mandatories and and all of the way the, the way they do their business and the way they milk the boxing world uh, uh, for for money for unearned you know for for rent seeking behaviors. Yeah, you got to milk it, we, Rafe. You got to milk we it. We got it. That's just, what, just like Deontay says. Yeah, that's in the end what uh, what's his name didn't do. Mistake Konatsky makes one man's opinion is he should have milked it. There are ways to milk it, and we know that the sanctioning bodies like to milk it a lot, and they can do it more easily when there are four different champions per division. Um, but I think it's. It's better for the sport, of course. Well, look, look, it's just not going to happen, Brian. I'm not even going to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, who, yeah, who cares? Who really cares? And I don't, in this case, going and getting, trying to get that belt from Patrick Teixeira, there's like, think about it. If Char the winner of Charlo Rosario uh, in a couple of weeks, the call for that, for, for, for that fighter's next opponent isn't going to, oh, now you got to fight Teixeira because he's the man. No, he won a, he won Mungia's vacant 
in a come-from-behind great victory over Carlos Adames. Good, good fight, good win. But does anyone really think that that makes him the other champion, the other legit no, person in this division? No, it's one of these other PBC guys. It's, yeah. it's going to be... We would want to see Charlo versus Hurd. We'd want to see a trilogy with Tony Harrison. We'd want to see... Uh, Lara, we'd finally want to see the stable. Are they still stable mates? I forget who left Ronnie Shield. Which Charlo is still with uh, Ronnie Maul. Shields, and which Maul one is, is with Ronnie? Hmm? Maul. Jamal is so so. They so they could fight each other yes. now. They know each other well. They and in any case, we'd want to see one of those fights in terms of pure competitiveness and best versus best before just picking up that belt. Off of Patrick Teixeira. Both Jermel and Errol Spence Jr. with Derek James. One of the great dresser, one of the rising studs in this game. You know what trainer I like is the guy that uh, that Swift Heard got, Kay Karoma, the ex-U.S. Uh, amateur coach. Like, that guy is... Uh, is a great boxing mind, Rafe. If you ever get the chance, and to see also him working working with a lot of you know starting to work with a lot of very elite U.S. fighters. I mean, you know, what he he's is he Shakur Stevenson's main trainer? I believe so. Yes, and he's got Michaela Mayer, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He trains Michaela Mayer. What is wrong with you? <laughs> well, you know, did you like it? It was done. Did you like that? I love you. I did, I did, I did love it. All right, Raf, uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, why don't we hear from Erickson Lubin? Why don't we close the 54 talk with a guy who's got next, Rafe? He's the hammer. He's coming at you right now. Enjoy. I need the hammer. It's hammer time. Where's me some Erickson Lubin? How are you, man? What's up, Brian? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Fired up for your main event fight against Terrell Gaucher. Are you feeling what I'm feeling right now? Yeah, man, I'm excited, man. I'm fired up as well. I can't wait. Uh, this division, how would you uh, chop it up these days? Um, it's still for grabs. I feel like it's still for grabs, and you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm back where I, I was at in uh, 2017 when I was younger. I was a uh, best experience. I'm back and I'm better. So um, I'm looking to take over this division. I'm gonna start off. Well, I, I already started off with the main event I had last time against Gallimore. Had an impressive impor- uh, performance. Uh, I, I'm looking to do the same thing. I'm looking to have a have a spectacular performance. And, you know, we're right back at the mandatory spot. And, you know, we get one of the champions, either Charlo or Rosario, for all the boats. Love it. Love it right there. Uh, do you feel like people bring up your name enough when they talk about the fact that this division is so loaded? Um, they, yeah, they bring up my name when they when they talk about the division being loaded. Um, I just feel like I, I feel like you know, um, you know, they, they bring up the other dudes uh, a little bit more. But you know, it's my job to go out there and, and show them who whose whose name they should should be really talking about. You know, they should be talking about me and uh, you know, Charles the champion, Rosario is a champion. But you know, all these other dudes, I feel like they just you know became champion once and, and, and couldn't defend the belt successfully, defend it. And to me, that's not that's not true champion status. I feel like once I get the votes, I'm a people. You know, you uh, you mentioned you want to get back to 2017 status, and you bounce back nicely from that loss to Charlo with four straight wins. Uh, are you one of those like this is the way it was supposed to go type type things? Everything happens for a reason. Do you feel like you're better off now from having had that experience? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that that, that helped me realize a lot inside and outside the ring. So 
I was able to just go back to the drawing board. You know, I I I I have my head held down for too long. You know, I knew I, I know my skill set. I, I believe in myself. My confidence level is set at all time high, and you know, um, I just bounced back. I, I and I got with uh, I got with Kevin Cunningham. I still got the same team, but you know, Kevin Cunningham was at it. You know, he um he helped me back, bounce back in a, a tremendous way. You know, he's helped me realize. You know, he he brought my IQ game to another level as well. You know, like you know, uh, being with him, I just I just leveled up a uh, hundred times more. You know, Coach Cunningham has a reputation for not taking any crap. Is that was that something you needed? For sure, I I I feel like I feel like he just bring more than that to the table, though. You know, he he's just not a hard ass trainer. He's he's a hard trainer. He makes sure you know uh, he's hands on with you too. You make sure you're like you're, you're getting everything and you're like processing it. And you're you're implementing it when you when you're training and sparring and fighting. So I, I feel like him being able to be hands on. A hard-ass trainer. Uh, he he's like a manager too. You know, he he works up the right fights. He knows what's what's the right fight, and um, you know, he he's he's big help. He's big help, and you know, I, I definitely uh, I definitely need someone like him in my corner. Uh, what kind of fight are we gonna see here against Gauthier? Because he's not necessarily easy to fight. There, you know, there's a skillful Olympian then under there. Well, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. Uh, we know, we know he's an Olympian. He has the experience on his belt, but um, I got the same type of experience, maybe even more. You know, um, um, I expect I expect to go out there and you know um, just capitalize on everything he comes out there with. You know, if, if he want to go out there and box, I could I could box with him. I, I could bang with him. It don't matter. I'm gonna be able to capitalize on anything he does. I feel like you know my my training camp's been great. I'm ready to fight now as we speak. Yeah, I love that. I love the passion. Uh, how hard is it as a young fighter where, I mean, boxing moves slow. You only fight twice a year sometimes. When you know you can win a championship right now, you know what what's inside of you. How hard is it to remain patient and climb the ladder? Um, well, I like being active. I definitely like being active, but, you know, I feel like uh, due to this pandemic, you know, it kind of it kind of slowed everything down. But you know, once this once this passes, or or once they come up with a solution, I feel like you know, I want to get the ball rolling some more. I want to become champion. I want to I want to take care of business. I'm not overlooking Terrell Gaucher. I know what I got and what I got next uh, next Saturday. So I'm I'm going there to take care take care of business, and then you know, get to the title, win the titles, and defend it back to back, and just keep defending it, and you know, and make my mark in this division, and, and, and take over. Do you think Gaucher looked good against Austin Trout? Uh, he looked decent to me. He looked decent. He looked decent. Um, um, I, I, I wasn't too impressed. He just looked like a decent fighter. Looked like a solid, solid fighter. He he is a solid fighter. I'm not taking that away from him, but you know, there's levels to this game, and I'm uh, I feel like I feel like um, you know, he, he he was okay against Austin Trout. Austin Trout was able to get off some shots that you know. Um, I don't know how old he is, but a guy is going to be able to get off, you know, um, on me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, everyone's excited about your fight, and then obviously Charlo Rosario the week after. Uh, if you beat Gaucher, obviously you're going to be watching that one closely. Considering you have a loss to Charlo, are you cheering against him? Are you cheering for him so you get a chance to fight him? Where do you stand with that? Uh, may the best man win. May the best man win. You know, uh, Rosario's a solid fighter. 
Um, I, I, I definitely want to uh, do do Louvin Charlo too. That that'd be great. But um, may the best man win. If, if, if I'm chasing the belt, if Rosario go in there and take care of business, you know we we we're gonna be looking at Rosario. But if Charlo take care of business, then good. We get the uh, we get to uh, avenge our loss. I saw uh, Arislandi Lara come out after his recent win over Vendetti and say, I'm getting the winner of Charlo uh, Rosario. Uh, how do you make sure that it's you? Well, I'm the mandatory. I'm fighting for the WBC mandatory. If if, if, if none of those guys, whoever wins that fight, if, if, if they don't want to fight me, then they just give up the WBC belt. That's it. I like that. I like that's the easy way. No, no politics. No nothing uh, out of your way there. I like that. Uh, do you think that uh, it's the time for the Charlos to get that push they're getting and, and get a chance here to become pay per view stars? How do you look at the opportunity they're getting the week after you? I mean, go for them. Go for them. All right, that's respectful. It is what it is. Go for them. Because not everybody loves the whole Lions only thing. I mean, they 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 building their brand. It is what it is. You know, they building their brand. They they going out there taking their business. You know, um, you know, good for them. Uh, have you talked to your uh, former promoter Mike Tyson at all about his comeback? How are you feeling about what he's trying to do? Um, it, it's exciting, man. It's exciting for um, it, it's great entertainment. Everybody wants to see what see if Mike Tyson still has. You know, he's in the mix real well. He's looking good doing it, and um, you know, I, I'm excited to see it myself. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. I feel like they're gonna throw hands. No matter what, it's gonna get crazy. I know the commission's like no knockouts, but you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, are we gonna see a knockout in this Gaucher fight? Do you think he's somebody who can be walked down and stopped? It's possible. It's definitely possible. Um, I'm just gonna follow the game plan, and if it comes, I take full advantage. Uh, you had a tough decision when you started your career of going the long-term amateur route or turning pro is basically a teenager. Looking back, would you do everything the same way you've done it to get to where you are now? For sure, I have no regrets. Um, I feel like I feel like I was brought up. I was brought up the right way. Um, <clears throat> I, I have no regrets. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with me turning pro. I'm, I'm at the top of my division, so I have no regrets. Do you have I'm more season now? I'm, 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 I'm feeling good about myself. You know, I'm very confident, and you know, come come September 19th, you gonna you gonna see the best Erickson Lubin. Yeah, well, we saw a lot of that against Gallimore. You looked uh, in control and confident. Uh, do you have a pick though for Charlo Rosario? You know, gun to your head. Who do you? Who's coming out of that one? Because every time I rewatch the tape of Banana, the guy can throw. He bangs. Banana bangs, brother. Yeah, if uh, if Charlo sits there and bang with him, you know, either one of them could get knocked out. But um, I feel like I feel like Charlo, if he uses his his athletic ability, he'll be able to come out with the win. <clears throat> I feel like Charlo Charlo will take that one. In this crowded division where there's no shortage of names, you know, Tony Harrison, uh, Jarrett Hurd, J Rock. I mean, there's Arislandi, Lara, Castano. What separates you? Both ability wise and in, in marketability wise, you know, to 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 get these opportunities right now and to and to, and to be ready for Showtime to kind of make you one of the young fighters they're getting behind. Well, you know, um, what, what separates me is I'm the youngest. I'm the youngest, and um, I could compete with any of them. I could beat any one of those guys, and um, I'm the youngest. I'm hungry, and 
and you know, show, Showtime, they're backing, they, 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 they back, they're backing me, and it's exciting, man. I just can't wait to get those, those title fights, those big, big fights, those pay-per-view fights. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking to take full advantage of every opportunity that comes my way. Uh, do you have any uh, different way of preparing, considering this is sort of a weird uh, bubble fight, no crowd? You know, uh, you know you've seen the fights on TV. It, it's a weird time for everybody. Did that change your preparation at all? Um, not necessarily. Just a little bit, but not necessarily. <clears throat> you know, um, we're, we're, we're in the gym. I'm, I, I spar without a crowd. You know, I, I, don't, I don't need a crowd every time. I know what I have to go in there and take care of business. I know what I have to go in there and do, so that's what I'm. That's that's my that's my main focus to go out there and just take care of business. <clears throat> I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's great chatting with you as always, man. This is going to be a fun fight. This is an important one. It's one of the better fights we've seen yeah. announced in terms of the winner gets right back in that title picture. Best of luck to you, Erickson. Can't wait to check it out, man. All right, thank you. Oh, Rafa, I love the confidence. I know you didn't hear that interview. I don't I don't plan on telling you what happened, but I love the confidence that the hammer speaks with now. He has grown four wins since the Charlo KO. Probably better off that it happened him that way. He said there were things in his personal life. I like him more now with Coach Kevin Cunningham, right? Took all them southpaws to the top from Corey Spinks to Devin to David Diaz. Uh, what? How Erickson boxed last fight against Nathaniel Gallimore on Showtime, Rafe, um, proved to me that, that you know, he's not just a puncher. He, you know, there, there's a mind under there. There's athleticism. There's a strong jab. I like I like who he's become, Rafe. I like him. I Look, I, I liked Erickson Lubin from the first time I saw him. I think he was, you know, sending, sending cats to hell on Showbox just in, in nasty, ugly fashion. Great high-top fade, a- bro. Great. Yes, yes, yes. And fun guy, while I'm not going to listen to this interview because I normally don't listen to interviews on podcasts that I fornicate with, uh, which is this one, but on podcasts that I just am not a part of, I've already heard him speak on the Showtime Championship podcast, boxing podcast. Shout out to Raskin and Mulvaney. And you tell me I'm competing with Lupin. Are you telling me that? No, look, you're not because they're white and we already know what you do to, to white podcasters. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. But Brian, Lubin, Lubin's a good interview. Um, and I just I think he, the talent is there. I think the chin is a question. There there have been after he got knocked out by that great, great creative shot that Jermel Charlo landed on him at the end of the first round when he stepped up to challenge Charlo a few years His ago. His chin is deteriorating. Uh, it it might be or not deteriorating, but then you started to hear uh, some rumors that you know in the gym, in sparring, in no, training, no. Lubin was there were questions, there were questions, Ooh. and that's gonna follow him until he look. I think that Lubin will get back to that championship level, but he he hasn't. St- this fighting Gaucher is that perfect step up where Gaucher is good enough to to give him a competitive fight. This won't be just giving him rounds or making him show that he's got his confidence back. He's going to have to win this fight against Terrell Gaucher. And I don't know if Gaucher, you know, Gaucher isn't a huge puncher either. I don't know Gaucher. if it's a, a Why big does the test. Why world hate Gaucher? He's really good. I know he hasn't given us the wins to back that statement up. Maybe he doesn't throw enough punches on the highest level, but he is really good, Rafe. He's really good. He's it's just 
it's it's the pro. I guess it's the curse of having such a deep division where, for one reason or another, Gaucher has not gotten quite as much of a push, has not been in quite as many matchups where you got to see him, where you cared about who he was fighting. So he kind of became the 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 best forgotten guy at 154. And this is look this this is the this is a Showtime main event. This is the opportunity to show us that we were wrong and and he's going to have to do that against a guy who's very very talented what 9 years younger than him it's a tough it's, it's that's a tough ask for for Gaucher. but also look the again it comes back this will be this also is a question the beginning of Lubin proving that you know he he can get back to the championship level and that his chin is not a problem yeah yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight. I feel like I'm the only one standing on a mountaintop saying this. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. I did interview that guy, Jake Hager, the next week, Rafe. He he described phoner as a fight boner, which makes a lot of sense, right? You get those? You got You got those? You got those? We know Mike Tyson does. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Thank you. He, as he revealed on the Joe Rogan uh, experience. Yeah, he asked about five times. No, seriously, Joe, what does that mean? When do you get a, uh, <laughs> when, the, yeah. Okay. I was, did you hear the part at the end of that podcast where Mike starts talking about aliens? No, I didn't get that far. It's it's worth revisiting. Yes, thank you. All right, so here's the deal. I uh, hope you're all staying uh, safe out there. Thank you. No corona for everyone. All right. I've not been coronavirus. I'm good. Thank you, Paulie. <laughs> um, we'll hit up the weekend preview in a minute. I'll get your exact thoughts on there. But there's a couple other bits of news I wanted to hit before we get too far. Uh, Rafe, our friend and yours, the guy, the man, Jeff Horn. Uh, it may come as no surprise to you, Rafe. But if you read the boxing scene piece done by, shout out, a, a great, a great Armenian writer, Manuk Akpokian. Akopian. 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 Just say Akopian. Great guy. Great combat sports journalist. Uh, he put, he, he uh, aggregated Horn's interview with the Courier Mail down under. Rafe, the family, the team, the people that care about him, the people that are close to him are pressuring Jeff Horn. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Into retirement. In fact, we have a uh, direct quote here from somebody who loves him, Rafe, very, very much. Uh, should Jeffrey continue? <laughs> yeah, right, Jeffrey. Like, I don't think so. But anyway, it's good to dream, you know. Uh, Rafe, here's the exact quote from Horn. My wife, Joe, has been happy. My wife, <laughs> she's dead. It's <laughs> nice. My wife, Joe, has been happy for a while for me to hang up the gloves. What does that mean? I, my wife has been happy for a while or that's Aussie speak. All right. All right. Uh, she wants me to stop fighting. She hates the stress of me fighting and what I have to go through to get ready for a campaign. She doesn't like watching what happened to me in the last fight and she doesn't want it to happen again. Look, I understand why people want me to retire and I'm hearing it from my wife and close family members. They are saying you have done enough and you have done yourself proud. So just let it go. Wow, Rafe. Uh, it's not like we haven't been here before, right? After that stripper sent him to the deep, dark depths, there was a call for Horn to, you know, think of the kids, think of the future, save what's left up there. Even though Dean Lonegren would tell him to just hotten up, you know what I mean? Pack it full of quarters. Bang it full yeah. of quarters and uh, get on with you, it, You know, mate. Coach Glenn believes in dreams. You soft cock. <laughs> Rafe, this is again Joe versus Jeffrey. Who you got? Who's right? Who's wrong? Um, we do. Sorry, we did reach out to Jeff Horn to to uh, 
to ask for uh, uh, his response. Did he have a response? No Brian? response. I'll respond with my fists in the ring. Yeah, well, that's the thing, Jeffrey. Jones. Well, that's the RN. That is a response. He's okay. not done then. Yeah. Um, look, Brian. I think. I think. He should manage his career, one, how he chooses to, right? He's an adult. He's a smart man. He, he's a real man. He was a real man. Uh, I got so many different respectful things to say about Jeff Horn. But um, on top of that. All, all he breeded was yeah. champions at the dream house, please. Um, look, uh, I think that. If, if I were advising Jeff Horn, I would tell him to be to, to lean toward retirement. But also, he, I think it's OK if he wants to be opportunistic about taking unique big fight opportunities that could be uh, that could be available to him because of his star power and, you know, and, and, and being a draw in Australia, which is a country where we've seen with the shapeshifter Anthony Mundine, you can extend a boxing career fighting sort of washed American greats, the occasion, yes, whoever the rising star is in Aussie boxing. Like he could fight Isaac Hod, man, after a, a couple, after a couple more fights. There's a huge, What's this? There's a huge butt though. Okay. And what I'm saying, right what now. is that? All right. Hold on. When I'm, when I'm, when I read, when I mean huge butt though, I definitely don't mean, uh, uh, if he was a girl, you would say he has a badonka dog. The huge butt Rafe is that, uh, horny wired the same way. As the opportunistic shapeshifter, he ain't gonna give you the KO one loss, Rafe. Where you're like, is that Bruce Seldon? Did Tupac just die? What is going on here? He's not gonna give that to you. And there's a reason, Rafe. And Joe knows that reason. Joe knows what's inside of him. He's been well, he's been inside, seemingly inside. Uh, oh my god! Better have to get inside of her. Uh, but uh, you know, the guy. Oh my gosh! He fights. Like a tough, tough gang member. Rave, he only knows one way, is what I'm saying. All right, missionary. It's the. I mean, it's, it's been a problem for that. Rave, uh, so, <laughs> he's right in front of you, just plowing forward. Gross. Wow. All right. Uh, so my question is: Is the head first banger? They know that he's not going to retire himself, right? He's. They know that that he'll stand out there until you kill, until you shoot him. So. Here's a left field swerve, a big swerve. Coming, I guess they right? got to shoot at them, Brian. Plot twist, big swerve coming. I know Please you don't, don't like to do this, Rafe. Okay, I'll come out here. Who's coming with me, right? Not going to do what you think I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. I know you don't want to talk about did Richard Dwyer move because he had to, not because he wanted to. I know you don't want to. Oh, you're you... trying to get into a man's family business. Okay, all right. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering if Jeffrey is better off without Joe. I know you don't want to talk about this, and I know she's looking out for his health, Rafe, but is she holding him back? Because I'm not sure she's ever believed in him. <sighs> I'm not she believed in him. Come on, Brian. Glenn. I'm not saying they have to make sweet love, Rafe, but well, how would you life advise him, okay? Not, 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 not a financial advisor, not somebody who cares about his health, who, care, who wants Jeffrey to be happy. Would you advise him to stay or go, Rafe? I would advise him to stay. I would not advise. I would never. First of all, that's his business. I don't know what the hell. Who who advises? I guess there are situations in which you would advise someone to leave their spouse. But this ain't it. This is because your spouse cares about you and doesn't want you taking an unnecessary beating after you've already probably made life-changing generational money 
as a as a as a fighter, what is the point? What is the point, Brian? No, Jeffrey, listen to Joe. All right, Jeffrey, you can go down to Australia and get knocked out by Joe Horn. It's okay. Uh, and again, Joe probably let Joe be the manager. Let just like Tim Bradley did. He let Monica take over. Let Joe be the manager. Joe will help him if if something falls into Jeff Horn's lap in the next couple of years when he's not so old and it's not ridiculous for him to get in a fight again, then maybe it makes sense. But other than that, just enjoy life. You don't got to do this. You got plenty of other stuff going on. Train people, right? Teach them the broken rhythm method of of um, you know, uh, 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 of birth control and fighting at the same time and it'll it'll work. Just yeah, just are you? What do you think? You really want this man? We want more blood from Jeff Horn. Are you really a, like gonna Glenn rush in this matchup Monday, Rife? Uh, Jeff Horn and uh, Michaela Mayer. Do you think there'd be chemistry? Think there'd be sparks? I'm gonna make you my girlfriend. Brian, what is wrong? With you? No, he will do his. He will respond with his fists in the ring. Okay, all right. Like no, a true no, gentleman. Um, it's a it's a conundrum because he does keep. Could we? I, I, what would it? Call, you know what I want. What if Jeff Horn does that VO thing and gets it? What is it called? Cameo? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we could start, we could start se- sending him lines and just pay Jeff Horn like 50 bucks to read Mike Tyson quotes. Alex Godinez, what's going on, brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that'd be interesting. I know. I normally don't, I can't do, I can't do, I can't do his Aussie accent, but I'd love to hear the fornication line in, in Jeff Horn's Australian. He doesn't talk like that, please. Okay, that's it. Uh, moving on, Rafe. Uh, Fury Wilder 3 apparently has a working date now. I mean, we hear this everywhere. Depending, depending I don't know, depending where you get your sauces from, Rafe, it could be any December 11th, 17th, 19th, 21st. The key element, though, is that Bob Arum's saying uh, we would like to do it in Allegiant Stadium, home of the Vegas Raiders, and we think we can pull it off with 15K inside that 68,000-seat stadium. Rafe, we have seen what the NFL has done with a similar type setup, and uh, you think we'll get there? You think that's, you think we're, is this going to happen? I think it could happen. It's not the craziest thing to to imagine at this point in time because if you look at how you know, like you like you mentioned, we saw fans in a lot of NFL stadiums over the weekend. Uh, and also, man, what can you do? The world, our world in the states, we haven't resolved the the, the issues presented by the coronavirus pandemic, but. At this point, people are just moving forward, uh, often at the, you know, to the detriment of maybe not their own health if, if they, if they don't get a bad case or they don't respond poorly to, to the sickness, but to whoever gets it after they get it, it, it stinks. But I don't think that's going to uh, stop a fight know, at this point. Very, very confused at this. Yeah, it's, it's danger, Brian. The, the world. The world is danger. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I just, it's hard to, it's, it's, it's a weird situation, Brian. I don't know how you feel at this point, but it's like, I, I, my mind's telling me no, (laughs) but my body, my body is telling me yes. It just, I know it's not, it doesn't really make sense. It's not what the epidemiologist would, would tell us to do, but we're sending kids to school (laughs) at, at college and they're all getting sick and they're sending them into quarantine dorms within the colleges. Lord knows what happens in a couple of weeks when who, they start interacting with, you know, people in these college towns. It's 
It, it's the just the the, the the horse is out the barn. They, this may, is who knows what's going to happen? This is not what the public and the market audience want to see. Okay. Well, well, when they um, start when they start in college soon, you mentioned they were going to start uh, cohabitating soon. Uh, I'll tell you what's going to happen. You're facing the real one. This is what I asked. This is what you're going to get. This is what you're going to get. This. That's what I want. Yeah, the, yeah, real, yeah. the raw dog. Okay. This is the real one. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, Floyd. Thanks for being. Do you? What do you think? I mean, do you do you think that they'll be able to pull off this fight in in December in yeah. front of what? Yeah. Twenty five percent capacity actually, at Allegiant Stadium. I'm actually a little bit surprised, given like UFC's boldness and in, in stand. You know, they got back before everybody else. They kind of figured out how to do this as as safe as you can without you know going under and without having a tragic monster monster breakout. Uh, I am a little bit surprised that we haven't yet had a a fight booked in in the Vegas Stadium. We haven't had this you know attempt yet. Here's what I'm saying, you know, because you could it's outdoor, it's open air. That means a lot. You you could wear a mask and kind of sit in your own section with your own people. I don't know. It doesn't seem that crazy to me. I believe Nevada, which has uh, I think the current governor of Nevada is, you know, is, is Democratic and to and into that, you know, it's sort of because all of this stuff has been politicized and seems to divide on party lines. The, the governor there might not yet be allowing crowds of that size of any sort, but it's not hard to see that by December, assuming the state does not get into huge, huge trouble with, with, you know, their, their virus numbers between now and then. Yeah, it could happen. Okay. Okay. Uh, other news is Roy Jones has been giving more interviews, talking to sky sports about this Tyson fight and the headline everyone's going with is Roy saying, quote, I made a mistake in agreeing to fight Tyson, but it's kind of mis misguided. It's not him saying like, you know, uh, here, here's this quote. He's still Mike Tyson. He's still one of the strongest, most explosive people who ever touched a boxing ring. If anything, I made a mistake going in with him. He's the bigger guy. He's the explosive guy. When it comes time to fight, we're going to fight. If it comes down to bite down, we're biting down. Whatever has to happen is going to happen. That's just what it is. End quote. Uh, he referenced, uh, you know, George Foreman going in there being, uh, you know, 40, 50 pounds on folks. Rafe, I am past the point of a few things. Of like the initial outrage, which was real. It was not outrage, but was concern about this fight, right? About, wow, these guys are going to be really old. And, you know, I don't want to see this happen to them. Then there was the, hey, the commission's going to make sure that this is a shit fest and not an actual fight. Like, if you're going to go to the carnival, go to the damn carnival. Show me the bearded lady, right? We're at the carnival. Let me see it. Uh... I think I'm at the point now where I'm actually ready to talk about this as a real fight and the potential entertainment and the actual breakdown here. Um, do you care? Are you there yet? Do you care about this? No, I, I don't care. I'm not going to. This is an exhibition between retired boxers. I hope they I hope it, I, look. It sounds like they stand to make a decent amount of money. Mike Tyson is donating it to charity on his end, which is great. Uh, for that reason alone, I, I hope it works out. I hope they do make that they get that money player. And I hope that no one gets hurt. That's it. That's it. I'll watch because it's funny. It's it's something to it's something to talk about. But come on, man. This ain't this ain't real. This ain't by we haven't even talked about Joette Gonzalez and Miguel Mariaga yet. We haven't even talked about Mean Machine, Edges Kavialowskis. All right, let's do pulling that, that now. KO out of his button and bunghole let's against Bruski the Zuski. Let's talk Zuski. Uh, that was a short conversation, Rafe. You think I care about those fights? No, Mean Machine, uh, the highlight looked good. I didn't watch the fight. Zuski's my guy. He's but... behind. 
He's behind on the cards. He look, me machine is weird. Nobody knows. We still, I, it was, I, I, I appreciated uh, a tweet from our guy, everyone's guy, Adam Abramowitz, Saturday Night Boxing, who basically said, we've seen in the last three fights, we've seen Kavialowskis, you know, fight, have that draw with Ray Robinson, where Robinson probably got the better of him. Then fight a fun fight against Terrence Crawford, where he, he caught Crawford early, made it fun, fought his balls off, but it was outclassed like he should have been. And then in this, where he's losing, not looking good, and then, you know, hurts Zuski late in the seventh, finishes him, great finish, just went boom right after him in the eighth. And, and that was impressive, but it's hard to know what to make of this guy, what his real ceiling is. We know it's not, uh, we know it's probably not real strong title holder. I mean, it would have to be a gift title for him to get one at 147. But besides that, we don't, we still, it's, he's still a little bit of an enigma. That, that side of it is interesting to me. Uh, I beat Joette and I got his his sister. Uh, not, not Miguel Mariaga though. Did he look good? Did Joette look like a real fighter? I mean, look, he got, that was, Shakur made him, yeah. you know, Shakur destroyed him, but Shakur's great. Destroyed, right? yeah. I mean, that that was the kind of, to this weekend, that fight where Joette Gonzalez really had a convincing win over Miguel Mariaga, who, look, you can say what you want about maybe fighters not getting the best camps in during coronavirus. This is a weird time. Maybe it wasn't the best version of Mariaga that we've seen in the past, but at the same time, just give him, give, give, give Joette credit. He out, you know, he outthrew him. He outfought him. He looked way better. He was in control. It was almost a, it was an easy unanimous decision win. And Mariaga, oh, the only guys who have done that to Mariaga are, you know, Lomachenko, Nicholas Walters, and Oscar Valdez. So not only does Joette Gonzalez elevate himself with that win, and and now that Shakur has moved on from weight category one through six. Hey, you know, that means Joette should, could, especially with top ranks bat. Oh, wait, no, he's a golden boy fighter. Well, I don't know if he'll ever fight for a title. Um, but Joe, basically it means that, that Joette, uh, you know, he elevated himself here. And, and honestly, that his performance looking that good against Mariaga, that elevates Shakur because Joette had nothing for him. Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. And when you mentioned throwing things, I got a little weirded out. One thing that he did wrong at night, well, he, he, just, oh, he just threw, he threw his load, you know? No, no, no. Remember that scene in Silence of the Lambs where the guy threw his load? That was gross. All right. Uh, Rafe, uh, happy Mexican Independence Day weekend. And I don't mean that as some kind of reverse crass shot at at my fine uh, Mexican-American fans, the backbone of this sport. It's actually to celebrate that this was once uh, a holiday in our game, right? Before John Skipper stayed up all night with Oski and effed up the Canelio situation. No, um... And by the way, shout out to the nice folks. Uh, you know who's a great guy? You know Greg Domino. Great guy. Yeah. HBO back in the day. Worked on DAZN last few years. Uh, PR guy. Uh, he had posted that his time at DAZN came to an end. And he's, you know, I hope guys like that bounce back with a bang. Okay, Rafe? Okay? Great guy. I hope so, too. And look, there aren't, uh, there aren't too many boxing, you know, communications people who have the kind of experience that DAZN staff did. They hired a lot of the people straight over from HBO Boxing. And that's a great resume. So anytime jobs are open, I mean, I bet, I hope they go get some money from Ringstar or, or Ring, I'm sorry, Ringstar, Ring City. 
Jeez. Uh, go get some money from Ring City. Go get some money from whoever else. Hey, hey, I, like top rank, uh, maybe, you know, like I'm sure they could use more good people. I hope they can. And I hope they, they land well. Remember we thought Richie Swiss was going to come back and take over boxing and like be like a villain and come back with a villain? That's what you thought, son. All right. Rafe, happy Mexican Independence Day. We won't have the big super fight. Uh, we got Lupin. Uh, we got Lupin this weekend, though. But I wanted to quickly just hit you up. I saw a piece on ESPN.com by Steve Kim noted boxing writer uh about you know the 10 greatest fights in this sort of modern idea of mexican independence day weekend you know uh oscar was big on fighting on these two dates floyd took that mantle from him and now canelo rafe offhand if you had to guess how many of these september 16th weekend in las vegas for the big box fight do you think you attended not that many. Uh, maybe three if I'm lucky. Two. Okay. I know you and I had a great weekend with Rasky one time for Cotto Canelo. That was a very memorable Mexican. That event. was in November. Are you sure? Yes. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I take that back. I had an awful time. Hate all of you. All right. Um, I wanted to count down Steve Kim's list here and just see if you have any uh, you know, memories looking back, right? I'm ready. Okay. You know, normally we say on the show when talking about different fighters, Rafe, right? This ain't this you ain't have to look at the Boda. whole man. Oh, this ain't Birdo. You know, this ain't well, this actually is Birdo, Rafe. Number ten. Wow, how bad is this list gonna be? If this is number ten from Steve Kim, September twelfth, twenty fifteen, MGM Grand, Floyd Mayweather improves to forty nine and oh and retires unbeaten, breaking the mythical Marciano thing by blanking a somewhat lifeless harvest out of Andre Birdo. Um, Do you have any memories? Brian, can you I uh, I have not read this steve kim story myself yet can you explain to me the rationale there how how is that possible that wasn't a good fight no one looked forward to it it was one of it was like an example of boxing has killed itself officially with this terrible (laughs) pay-per-view oh my god uh it looks like steve is looking back at the past decade with a ranking of the best fights that took place so if he's keeping it to the past decade wait if it's if it's a decade then there's only 10 of them So this is the worst. <laughs> this was the worst. All right, number nine, Rafe, on the Steve Kim top ten. Right, let's so get beefy. A list. <laughs> let's get beefy. September seventeenth, twenty sixteen. Canelio and and Liam Smith. Rafe, how the hell did we get eighty thousand people in a stadium to watch the Liam Smith fight? I think it was fifty one thousand. Well, because Canelo was there and it was Jerry World and you can price those higher seats pretty cheaply for a boxing match at Jerry World and get a great, great big crowd in there. Never, you, you notice that those Jerry World crowds never actually beat the gate at the big Las Vegas fights because they can just charge people through the nose for those high roller seats and, and make a killing. But I mean, yeah, why skipper? not? And, and people, you want to see big red in action, we've been we are lucky enough to have seen Big Red in action many times. Yeah, yeah, many times. Okay, we looked at the whole man a few different times, right? Yes, thank you. Well, I'm not bang. See you later. Left, right, good night. Uh, we don't mention that fight at all because it, it was what it was. But uh, Canelo looked great against Beefy at 54. It looked great, great. And remember, that was when Canelo was too small to fight at 160 pounds. He was at Canelo weight because. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just, it was, he just, his body wasn't ready. He thought it might take a couple more years for his body to get ready. And it just so happened during those two years, Gennady Golovkin fell off a goddamn cliff. 
Well, Rafe, in 2012 on Mexican Independence Day weekend, we had competing Las Vegas cards on competing networks. One was a uh, Showtime free, you know, a Showtime card, HBO pay-per-view on the other side. On Showtime, we had Canelo and Josecito Lopez. Rafe, it was supposed to be Victor Ortiz in this spot, and then Josecito broke his jaw, and then Josecito moved up a whole nother ass weight class and ate some hella body shots in this fight he as always though you got to give it to Josecito as always he came to fight though he came to fight he looked good early even though you could tell he was just way too small and his punches were not having an effect on Canelo wait are these is he ranking only main events because yes. uh Maidana Soto Caras yes. on that card was a way better oh, fight oh yeah that was actually a pretty deep card for a shit like they they were straight up competing in in uh for that being a regular Showtime card, it was loaded in that, that shirtless JSK in the lobby, Rafe. Yes, that's so 2013. I love it. Um, uh, This was 2012, actually. Uh, fun night at the fights, even though the Canelo played out as expected. Well, you know, I'm sure that the fight that I was at, so this is one of the fights that we can put down. Well, this, we're not was, on the list, okay? It's coming up on this it, list it, it because I was up. I was in town. So wow, so far I'm too. I I, I totally blew my. Uh, I didn't blow my load, but I blew my prediction here because I didn't understand how ridiculous the cut the like the conceit behind this list was. I, I might adjust up to four or five. In any case, I'm two for three right now. Uh, number seven. Oh, no, I'm not two for three. Number seven is my favorite fight week ever. My first time in Vegas. Such a fun super fight build. Floyd Canelio. And was, was Saul ready for that? I was born ready. <laughs> born ready. One of the great moments. Outside of that weird phoner that McGregor had at the damn weigh-in for the Mayweather fight, uh, the, the weigh-in moment of Canelo saying that. Because I thought... Looking back, I thought Big Red was going to drop him. I wasn't picking Canelo to win, but I thought he was going to be in that fight, and that fight was a Super Bowl feel, Rafe. Yes, were you there? You weren't there. I was not there. People forget that that buildup, meaning like as they're announcing them into the ring, like we thought this was like, it felt Hagler Hearnsian. I know that's laughable looking back, Rafe, but remember we hadn't had a big fight up to that point. And we thought Canelo was on that level. And obviously this win has aged beautifully for the, the ageless wonder, Floyd Mayweather. One thing, uh, Floyd did pick, you know, play, he was selective with his matchmaking, but he knew how to pick him. I mean, this one, this this is a, the crown jewel at this point. Yes, thank you. Number six on this list, uh, 2014. You and I were at that weekend together. Floyd Mayweather, Marcos Maidana, too, Rafe, correct? That was awesome. Yeah, we got out. Look. Never forget British Paul, the best, yes. the best, the best Vegas drinking partner we've ever had. I, I remember that night. Well, I drank many things. A lot of uh, what was that? Eight, 24 ounce can of some amber beer of like something crappy. And uh, that was the night that I threw up until 2.30 p.m. the next day and then left the room to go to the fight. That was a great, what a day. Wow, Rafe. Um, that fight blew, except for that punch from uh, from Marcos after round three. So Rafe, Yeah, but uh, do you believe that, that Floyd's tooth came out, as Maidana claimed, and had a weird necklace made out of a tooth that he said was Floyd's? I want to believe it. Um, can I ask you the hard question, though, one more time? Sure. Was the rematch that bad? with Mayweather rightfully using his legs to make it a mismatch, essentially. Look, but Maidana was always dangerous, obviously, as seen by that punch to end third, the third round. 
But does that explain to you in any weird way why the first fight was so close? Was it just Tony Weeks' presence allowing Maidana to bang on the inside? Or do you believe some of these things I've teased in the past that either Floyd overlooked Maidana in the first fight or wanted the fight to be contended in the corners to try to like make people think that he's this aging, fun fighter? Because I think that was a weekend Floyd was trying one of his... like. Uh, face turn type things to steal pro wrestling turn. Remember there was a couple points in that process. He got really humble and was like trying to win over the media. I don't know if it was about a face turn or that he necessarily wanted to engage Maidana in, you know, in uh, against the ropes and in close quarters and all that stuff. And, or, and Floyd never Floyd doesn't have anything to prove because he, he just his performances prove it on their own like it's not no one's like oh wow you you didn't do enough floyd um I, and in addition to that um he never fought like he needed something to prove he fought to win i think i, I don't know if he underestimated maidana but i think he figured him out towards the, the down the second half of that first fight and then he proved that in the second fight okay okay uh, number five on this list, 2011 at the MGM Grand Floyd Mayweather versus Victor Ortiz. And while that fight, Rafe, it has become somewhat laughable in a lot of ways, uh, we got a lot of entertainment in four rounds there, plus the interview afterwards, if you look back. And also, none, nobody would have picked Vio to win that fight. But let's not forget, he was coming off the brawl against Birdo to earn this, in which Floyd and 50 Cent were in the front row that night at the uh in uh in Connecticut there at the Foxwoods MGM, um, there was the idea that oh if if this young athletic VO could land something, he could have a shot. And now and you know any way you roll this fight out, he's probably going to end up losing you know ten rounds to two or get knocked out. But I'm not trying to do a Margarito was coming on against Cotto in the rematch thing. When you go back and rewatch round four before the spearing headbutt, it looked like Veal was coming on or at least figuring something out. Am I crazy? Absolutely, Brian. Hold on. I got like weird sound coming through like out of nowhere. I mean, it did exist. Veal was in that round. You don't got to, you don't have to convince me of that. I believe that he, the one thing I, the one thing that Victor Ortiz deserves credit for up until the headbutt, and when everything, the, the wheels just came off of the entire event, was that he didn't come in and fight like Rob, we saw Robert Guerrero fight or like Canelo fight, honestly. Or he, this was, a, this was or Birdo even. The same person. V.O. came in and he, it wasn't Birdo. Uh, V.O. came in and he, he was aggressive. He was going after it. And while I think it would be a stretch to say that he was troubling Floyd, uh, Floyd was in control. He's landing some really, really sharp counters, but he was still having to deal with a young, strong, naturally a little bit bigger guy putting some pressure on him and making him, you know, making him discipline him with those counters. And yeah, I do think it, if it had come to a more natural end, it probably would have been VO taking one too many and, and going down and maybe either getting knocked out or just getting knocked down and staying down. But, uh, it was, he, he made, he, he had a, that's the thing with Victor Ortiz, man, especially back then he would give you a spirited effort. And then all of a sudden find a way out of the fight, which is sort of what happened in this, you know, getting beat up like this. So. Thank you. I mean, there's still hope for the future. Mayweather, you owe me, dog. Come on. Let's give people what they want, bro. Yeah, rematch, please. What do you think? Um, people want it. Let's not forget how great of a heel 
Mayweather was around this time in 2011. This is when he was fighting once a year, Rafe. Never against Pacquiao, who we all wanted, but there was always that feel and tease. So for her to, him to come in here, which, again, this was not a ridiculous fight. On paper, this was, okay, this makes sense. Uh, Vio's got a title. He's young, all that. The fact that he ended it the way he did, Rafe, it was very, like, villain in your face. I'm going to kind of cheat, but do it by the rules. And, you know, I in the moment, I remember thinking, like, that was kind of a ballsy, you know, boss move. And, of course, Larry, you know, he never gave him credit. He never, you know, never gave him credit. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. Look at Leonard. Like, you won't do shit to us, all right? You hear that? You hear that in his voice? Right. Damn, well, I don't know about. I don't know if Larry was right there, but Larry at least had the balls to to say that. Uh, although I'm sure he was also pretty confident that nothing would happen when he said it. Yeah. Not that anyone should punch an old man because they mouth off to you. Yes. Uh, number four on the uh, Steve Kim ESPN Mexican Independence Day countdown of main events, 2019 T-Mobile Tyson Fury versus Otto Valin. Wow, this made number four, Rafe. I mean, it, it actually. I mean, it, it's not like it was a bad fight. There was a lot of, you know, drama with the giant-ass cut and Otto Valin trying to open that cut with it, with all members, all parts of his body. Uh, Rafe, your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are, one, um, a little, perhaps some ESPN top rank bias is showing, putting that fight there. And two, like, most of the Floyd fights we just talked about, I would probably, I enjoyed more. I thought were more significant going in. Uh, blah, 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 blah. In addition to that, Brian, I, I think that if you come up with an idea for a list and you see that Fury Valine lands at number four on that list, uh, then it probably means that you have come up with a bad idea for a list. <laughs> That's the fourth best fight of the last decade on September Independence Day weekend main events. Anyway, number three, Rafe, you were in the building. Thomas and Mac 2012, Sergio Arcampione. Our, um, uh, the knee did respond. Because he got up. Actually, this is the beginning of the knee problems against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I've said it before of the fights that you were at and Karen Mulvaney was at and the guys that I you know love and respect. I'm by far the most jealous of you having been in this in this arena for this moment, round 12. Dan Rayfield always described it, Rafe, as a 747 jet taking off out of nowhere in the back of the arena. It went zero to... Uh, to we we on we banging and and, and they touched all the tips in a, in a second. Rafe, tell me what it felt like. It was it was the longest you know two and a half minutes of my life. It felt like it and because you know I I've I've written about my my appreciation for Sergio Martinez. We've talked about it. I have love for this guy, and it was eleven. Well, it was ten rounds really of this perfect Martinez performance, almost flawless. And then, you know, he got hit a little in the 11th and he came out and stood toe to toe in the 12th and basically ended his career with the knee injury. He, he suffered getting knocked in through the ropes in that first knockdown. Brian, it was, uh, it was crazy. I, I mean, you're, my heart stopped. It, it, my heart both stopped and was pounding through my chest. It was the, the world stopped. Uh, you couldn't breathe, but but you were hyperventilating. It was it it was crazy. It was is this is boxing. Not not only is it amazing for the potential of what that comeback would have meant, where one guy was essentially getting his ass kicked for you know basically eleven rounds. I mean, look in round eleven, he did have moments. People do forget about that. He was kind of coming on a bit, but for him to come out of nowhere, that's a story. But the fact that that's what his dad did against Meldrick yeah. Taylor in Vegas, you know. 
whatever amount of years earlier, 20, uh, no, 10, uh, uh, 22 years earlier. Wow. Uh, Rafe, that would have been incredible. And I think it's fair to argue, you know, had Chavez won that, would he have been the same a-hole afterwards? I mean, he still would have gotten peg popped for, you know, weed and, and all that, but he would have gotten a rematch out of it right away. And it would have been interesting. Well, and in the, the kind of shape that Martinez was in after that fight, it, it, it you know, I think Chavez probably would have won that one at well, that Matt point Martinez in their careers. Did beat, you know, Matt or uh, what's his name? The other guy, the the guy who the Martin G- Murray, GH Bay. Quality. Guy. Yeah, he did beat him in a sideways rainstorm. I look, I thought. Yeah, Murray but we know that we we saw that fight. It, it was not the it was not our our champion in that fight. Probably it was already. The knee was already had stopped responding. Shout out to Homer, by the way, who announced he's taking a long um, Twitter break because during this political season. God, Godspeed to you. All right. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Number two, 2017, Canelo Triple G one. Great fight. Great fight. Great fight. Really, seriously. And it's only upstaged by number one on Steve Kim's list, which is 2018, Canelo Gennady two, which was a better fight, Rafe. And um. I don't think in hindsight we love these fights. We talk great about these fights. We want a third fight. I don't think, though, we have yet to understand the significance of how great these fights were. These were two, you know, top 10 pound-for-pound guys that were on this collision course, and they were both stars, and they both fought their asses off in both fights, specifically the rematch when Canelo just started walking Triple G down out of nowhere, and it was on. We had action. We had high skill. In an era post Maymac where nobody sold a million pay-per-view buys. This fight did it twice, Rafe. I think it'll age like an even finer wine where years from now we'll, we'll be like, man, I was there. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Brian, you are right. The, the, the conversation focuses on the whole backstory, all the drama. Uh, first, you know, when it comes to the first fight, it's the years that Canelo was fighting at Canelo weight and, clearly seem to be letting some of the age uh, uh, show up in Golovkin's game. And once they saw that tough Danny Jacobs fight in March of, uh, you know, before that, before that, that first fight, shoot, that, that was it. That, that, that was the time and they timed it pretty well, but boy, were they both great fights. And the thing that I, I hate to see get lost in that is for both of these fighters, the fans are so, uh, so, passionate for whichever one they thought they they thought one deserved to win so passionate for the guy they like better so passionate for the guy they think deserves to be highly rated and against the guy that they think is overrated which you hear lobbed at both canelo and triple g well anybody on either side of that argument if you need a great the maybe the best example out there certainly for triple g arguably for canelo as well that these two both were Great, great fighters who would compete at 160 at in air, any era. It is these two fights against each other. They fought 24 rounds, never got hit each other with huge shots on both sides. But high skill. Show great chins. Great skill. On enormous skill. Different style. They both ch- changed styles, made adjustments, and never, ever did one guy get a clear edge on the other over 12 straight rounds. It was – it, it is – Throwback fights. It's amazing. They were throwback title fights. And let's not forget, you got the controversy that we don't love it on the boxing inside. But to the rest of the world, the controversy made that fight even extra legendary. It got people fired up for a rematch. 
And then the rematch was built on a whole another storyline of, of Tainted Me and all that and the, the track marks. So you had kind of everything you would have needed, and it sold, and it delivered. Pay-per-views and boxing, Rafe, in this era don't deliver. They don't. It's, it is what it is, bro. They don't deliver. Those two, you got banged. And really, you got banged so well that some oligarch was like, I'll build my own damn channel, the platform, on the idea of getting it a third time. Okay? In my well, thoughts, we know how that went. Yeah, and my thoughts looking back, by the way, on that first fight. You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. Great jab. Great jab. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, quickly on the way out here, let's go to Facebook.com slash Dan Rayfield Boxing for the schedule, Rafe. Let's do this thing Friday night in Serbia. No, no, no. Saturday night, showtime. Uncasville, Connecticut, the damn bubble. Who do you got? Erickson Lubin, Terrell Gaucher, winner, becomes the mandatory for Banana's title. Or, Look, sorry, Brian. Charles, whatever. Charles. I, I tried. I tried earlier in this podcast to... Give Terrell Gaucher some credit that he deserves. But you know what? I was lying. I don't think he's that good. I think he's obviously a, a, a former Olympian, a very good athlete, a good fighter. But, he, he, you know, I just don't see it. I don't see him getting over the hump into that championship level. And I think that I, I do see that for Erickson Lubin. I think that Lubin will win clearly. Um, I don't. I think Gaucher is good enough, you know, to 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 make it interesting, make him work. But I, I just I think this is a sort of an eight four decision for Lubin. Okay, I think he's going to have to land that big left hand early to make sure that this doesn't turn into some kind of uh, boxing match. Now, look, I still like Lubin's chances in a boxing match, but that's where Gaucher's Gaucher's going to have his best chance if he can slow the pace down and counter and make Lubin not keep coming forward with that with that jab. Um, I got Lubin. I think he's going to win, and I think Luke uh, – Luke, wow, wow. It's okay. It's That's okay. It's okay, Mike. That's just weird, right? That's like uh, – do you call your wife by her by your ex-girlfriend's name? Um, Rafe? Uh, better than calling her Luke. No, I don't know actually about that. Um, Erickson Lubin, to make a statement, to get us excited about him fighting the winner of Rosario and Charlo, he can certainly do that by winning an 8-4 decision, as you mentioned. But he could get us really excited about his 24-year-old self turning 25 in a couple weeks if he can knock him out, Roth. Can he? He can. I don't think I would expect it. I don't, and while, yeah, that would be a much bigger statement and it's helpful when, fight, when that happens, just win the fight. Just win, if you can just win the fight, right? Move on and try and take your career to the next level from there. All right. Do you care about this co-mate? Co-mate. How about our guy Tug Shot? Tug, Tug, Robert Kraft, meet you at the Tug Shop. Uh, Tug Stott Nyambiar, 10 rounds featherweights against Kobia Breedy. King Tut, he's back. King Tug, he's back, baby. Look, King Tug is fun. Is a fun fighter. He'll, I think this will be, it, it sounds like a good style matchup. I have not watched a lot of this opponent, but I have seen some highlights. Sounds like, you know, he also comes forward. Uh, the, our, our friends on the Showtime podcast described him as sort of a miniature, uh, not quite Timothy Bradley, both in style and appearance. And yeah, I, I, it sounds like a fun fight. It's a good co-main event, but who the hell is getting excited? I'm, I'm not like I'm over here 
pumping it more than once. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, you know, what's under the radar is that we get in Jerron boots Ennis, the welterweight prospect on Saturday, a guy who can be a potential legit star. And he's going in there against a guy who's fought a lot of people, you know, in Juan Carlos Abreu, uh, do not favor Abreu against the Russians, Rafe or the Lithuanians. Cause he has lost back to back decisions to mean machine and Besputin, but he stopped the dry husk of JSK. He uh, he went in there with Kano. He lost to Soto. He's been around. Okay, we know this man. Uh, this should be an okay level test, right? It's something for Boots. It is okay. Yeah, it's an okay level test. I think. I look. Jerron Ennis is one of these fighters, like Virgil Ortiz, who in the Bartholomew household is. I could not be higher on these guys. I think they are, forget the nicknames, they are the future of boxing. They are the pay-per-view stars of the next 10 years if they get the right push and the right matchups. And I think that they're also going to be mainstays on pound-for-pound lists for a lot of those years. So uh, even though Abreu, I believe, has never been stopped, I think Ennis is going to be the guy who gets there. The good news is that Abreu can handle himself. I've, he was he's pretty dirty, and and he and he gets in the trenches like that. Besputin fight was, bleh. I mean, it was nasty, ugly. Um, but that's a good test for Ennis to have to deal with a guy who's going to be play some of those tricks on him and and see if he can make a statement, even if it's not a quick knockout. If he can make a statement and be the first guy to finish Abreu, and I think I think he will. Saturday, Vegas on the plus. Hey, how about this? I, I, I like this. Jose Pedraza, 10 rounds, junior welterweights against Javier Molina. Yin? Uh, that's like a bubble uh, retread, right? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, I love me some 31-year-old sniper. And I guess, you know, I, I, I fell out of love with the sniper when Chon Zepeda just just took his okay. pants off. But he came year. back and outboxed Mikel LePierre. So, uh, oh, great, great. In that case, Whew, I'm back is in. This? Is this Yadier? Which Molina is Javier Molina? Which guy is this? It's not the guy with the that took the, that gave James Kirkland the black pill who then touched a girl and can't come into the country, right? <laughs> and he's not the other guy who dropped Amir Khan, right? He's Javier Molina. No. It is, it is. I don't believe Carlos Molina. Molina, the, the other Carlos Molina, ever dropped Amir Khan. He did land the left hook a million times without dropping oh, maybe left, that was uh, Amir Khan. Julio Diaz, I'm thinking of. Okay. Well, Julio Diaz did yes. drop him. Samuel Vargas dropped Khan. In any case, I don't even know. It doesn't matter. I don't care. I'm, I'm just going to go with a not care on this one. Uh, co-main event, F.A. Ajagba making that top-ranked debut against Johnny Rice. Ten rounds heavies. Yeah, it's worth a shot, right? Yeah, I was fighting a guy with a fake name. I'm down. <laughs> He's actually fighting Sean Gibbons. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Roby, Roba Z. Ramirez, the the, uh, <laughs> the Olympic hero who uh, lost his pro debut but won a couple more after that. He's he's in against Felix Caraballo. Eight rounds featherweights. That should be a good step up. I'm into that, okay? I'm not into uh, the rest. Decent undercard. I care about those. Yeah, all right. All right. That's all I got for you. That's it. Okay. And then, of course, uh, next week. We, it's not only Charlo weekend with that double pay-per-view on Showtime, but uh, Friday of next week, Jose Julio, I'm sorry, Julio, we're, we're going to call him Julio, Cesar Chavez Jr. back against Mar- Mario, Ab- uh, wow, Rafe, I think I just had a seizure, Mario That's Abel real? Cazares. Where, what, is, is that on television Tirana. or on a platform somehow? I don't know. Can DAZN get that last minute or is that going to be like a Mexican stream only? 
Jose Luis Castillo Jr. is on that card in a six rounder. I didn't know that that was a thing. You? Uh, apparently, it is. It's it's the all junior card. Okay, great, great stuff. Rafe, you got anything else for the people? It's been great. No, nah, doing not this really. this ridiculousness with you. Okay, this SOC thing. Today's episode. You ready for a weird future of like Rafe on camera? I was born to be on camera. You know this. I know you used to do making the rounds with me and Jim Basquill. Yeah, right. We were yeah. stars once upon a time. Yeah, right, Jeffrey. No, yeah. One time you, Rask, and I did a little uh, making the rounds in AC, right? I probably had a women's suit on. It was yeah, they're time. still they're still making fun of how like of me being a giant in that in that yes, shot. Yes, and me being stiff. And yeah, all right. Well, to this day, right, brother? Okay. Uh, for Rafe Books, it is your boy BC. Uh, next week. We got a lot of stuff. I, got, I already got interviews in the can. Oh, no, I'll, I'll drink it right here. That's fine. Uh, I got interviews in the can with uh, Derevinchenko, with Jason Rosario. Uh, good stuff you're going to want to hear. We got some bonus. I'm going to be sitting down with the Charlos next Thursday for CBS Sports HQ. So, uh, you know, Morning Combat will be on the scene in the bubble. So, so get yourself excited. Rafe, you don't care about that UFC pay-per-view next weekend, right? No. Oh, that's Scott Adesanya, right? Yeah, it's going to be a great fight. Okay. If you got a skinhead, skinhead that one, okay? Yeah, I care. All right. And, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm into that Hopefully, guy. you'll be a little more fired up for this Charlo thing by next week. Look, we got Luis Neri. We got Figueroa's sister. We got a lot going on, okay? All right. I'll see her in the bubble. It's a, it's a, it's a very, very strong doubleheader event. Yes. That's where we'll leave it. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Great talking to you. Uh, that's it. That's the show. Um, we're out of here. Is this the last time on the SOC? I don't know. Yeah, I, it might be, right? I don't know. I don't even know if you're still there, Ray. Tell me, Chief. All right. I don't know. Take it day by day. Stay. You, you You. wake up tomorrow, I'll wake up too, okay? Thank you. We out. That's it. That got weird. It's over. And the, and the show. Thank you. Okay. Great.